Just because you're in the consequences, it does not mean that you are not forgiven. And now for Your History is Not Your Destiny. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because brother... And sister, you need the word. Hallelujah. We welcome all of you today joining us online at brothersoftheword.com, Facebook, YouTube, all of our social media streaming outlets. Stay tuned because your history is not your destiny. And you'll find out what that means very shortly. For all of those who are in attendance, you received a stone. Am I correct? It is not in vain. If you will just hold on to it, please don't let your child play with it. Okay? This is Mother's Day. We don't want to end up in the hospital. But this is very important for later on in this message. Your history is not your destiny. I want you to really understand that today as we dig deep into that topic. So, happy Mother's Day to all again. We have birth mothers adopted mothers, spiritual mothers, foster moms, stepmoms, god moms, not yet moms, the should be moms, the grieving moms, to those without moms, such as myself, incarcerated moms, and to the many, many solo moms and fur baby moms. We say happy Mother's Day. However you fit into the grand scheme of things, you are so loved. So appreciate it. It is your day and I pray that it benefits you today. So, having the ministerial gift of counseling, I have come across so many that carry the weight of things that we've done in our past. The weight of the mistakes that we've made. The weight of the decisions that were hasty or well thought out. But Yet, the situation caused pain and consequences. And just for a few moments today, I want to illustrate some things in the Word of God that will help you come out of darkness and into the light to know that your history is not your destiny. So, if you can, this is going to be an active situation, at least for the very beginning of it. I need everybody to stand up. I was going to do something else, but I figured if I do this, this might be better. I don't want anybody to fall. The other plan would have been really funny, but it could have been hazardous too. And I laugh at pain, so it would have been much more exciting to me than you all. So I want you just to say, my history is not my destiny. destiny. I want you to touch your chest at your heart and say, my history history. is not my destiny. Now I want you to shout it and say, my history is not my destiny. My history is not my destiny. Yes, the devil felt that. Then I want you to say it deep within your soul, just quietly to yourself. My history is not my destiny. And now for the fifth time, because it is the number of grace, I want you to say it just as a confirmation. My history is not my destiny. Now fist bump five people and 
confirm in their world that their history is not their destiny. Hallelujah. All right, the atmosphere is filling. Hallelujah. Your history is not your destiny. Hallelujah. Your history is not your destiny. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And if you're at home and you're by yourself, I just want you to say the same thing within. Your history is not your destiny. Hallelujah. Okay, so five is the number of grace. And because of God's grace, we have forgiveness for a multitude of sin. So we're going to just, we're going to occupy the space today in the number five of his grace. Let us continue. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, a future and expected end. That is the word of God. That is our promise. So all that we've been through has been a culmination of what God has planned for us even before we were in existence in this world. Because all of our lives, we're walking in ordered steps. We're walking in the footsteps of God. So he knows the plans that he has for you, even though we may not know nor understand. They are to prosper you. Plans of an expected end. He knows exactly what he has in store. I want you to look at your neighbor again and tell him that was your history, not your destiny. Okay, but Minister Stephanie, I'm still in a mess. I still feel the consequences of these decisions. I'm still feeling like God hasn't forgiven me because I still see the things that have transpired from the mistakes I've made. Just because you're in the consequences, it does not mean that you are not forgiven. The beauty of the death of Jesus on the cross is that when you ask, he's quick and faithful to run to forgive you, to pour the blood of Jesus on you, to give you freedom from sin. Just because the things we do have consequences, that may remain in the earth because we can't control our consequences. But the forgiveness of the Lord is forever, amen. You are forgiven. And a lot of times we continue to hold ourselves in that account that God has not forgiven us. God has forgiven you. The situation is, you have not forgiven you. And we're going to work on that today. When it comes to the act of sin, there is a lot of gray area. Now, I get it. Some of the things that we have done are very seemingly unforgivable. And they are bad. But I read this little parable, and it hit home for me thinking from a childhood's perspective to an adulthood perspective. When I was just a little kid, I used to pray for a bicycle. Then as I grew older, I learned that that's not how prayer works. So I stole a bike and I prayed for forgiveness. <laughs> so many of us take matters into our own hands and we can twist and make things happen according to what we want in our world. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But there is not one sin that is too big for our God's grace. Not one. His grace is renewed every morning. 
It is the equivalent of the manna in the day when the Lord would open the heavens and he would feed the children of Israel. It was only good for that one day, but they could get as much as they wanted. And then every morning it was a new batch of manna. It's the same thing for his grace. Every morning you get a new load, a fresh new bunch of grace. Because that's just how good our God is. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God also said in Titus chapter 2 verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. And lastly, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, I shall make them like wool. He's ready to wash all of our sins away. There is no sin too terrible for God to forgive. That was your history, not your destiny. What happened to you may not have been your fault. That was your history, not your destiny. Those bad decisions that were made, they were done to shape you and form you to who you are today. But that was your history, not your destiny. The sins that you committed have consequences, yes. But just because you're still suffering from those consequences, it does not mean that God has not forgiven you. That was your history not your destiny. While we are free to choose our actions, we are not free to choose the consequences of our actions. That's a quote from Stephen R. Covey. He also says, in nature, there are neither rewards nor punishments. There are consequences. But in these scriptures, we can know that the love of God sustains us even through the consequences. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will remember your sins no more. That's Isaiah chapter 43, 25. Hebrew 8 and 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Not only does God forgive us, but he also forgets our sins. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That is also Hebrew chapter 10. So if God can forgive you, can't we begin to do the same for ourselves? The magnitude of our sin isn't what determines God's forgiveness. This is all due to God's grace. And how big that grace is in human terms, we can see our sins as too big to forgive. But in God's terms, there is his abundant grace. I just love that. That's his abundant grace which is big enough to extend to anyone who is ready to confess, repent, and ask God for forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive and throw it into the sea of forgetfulness because that was your history, not your destiny. Look at your neighbor and tell him again, that was your history, not your destiny. So if you can, let's just give God praise for 15 seconds. Let's just glorify him because he's worthy. He saw this moment and knew that we needed forgiveness. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. We thank you for your forgiveness. 
So let's look at a few people in the Word of God that are female that have had some situations that will illustrate to you how their history was not their destiny. We're going to talk about Rahab. We're actually going to talk about four women, two together, but three women in a group. Rahab is first, and I kind of gave them a subtitle. Rahab, her subtitle is The Sin of Choice, because Rahab was making money. Because I'm limited on time, I'm going to read everything so that I can stay on script, because I'll get off and be talking about all kinds of stuff. So Rahab, The Sin by Choice. A Canaanite woman living in Jericho, Rahab is a prostitute who is also a biblical heroine. According to the narrative in Joshua 2, before the conquest of Canaan, Joshua sends two men as spies to see the land. They come to Rahab's house for lodging. Now realize, this is a prostitute and they were there first. This is supposed to be getting them information and she protects them and helps them to escape. Why would they, these men of God, visit this place? I wasn't there, but the first thought is definitely not good. But may I offer to you another thought? Brothels are easy disguises for foreigners. She is protected by them and she hides them on the rooftop. And this location is literally in the wall of Jericho. So it is the perfect place for escape. That was her history, not her destiny. I want you just to put a pin right there and just remember Rahab. We're moving on to Ruth and Naomi. Their subtitle is seemingly the victims of great misfortune. The book of Ruth begins with an Israelite family. These are God's chosen people. Elimelech, Naomi, his wife, and their two sons, Milan and Shilion. Living in Moab, originally from Bethlehem of Judah, their families left the land of their inheritance because of a famine. But tragedy soon struck. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Both of Naomi's sons married Moabite women, and within 10 years, the two sons died also, leaving Naomi and her daughter-in-laws outside the kin group of her husband. Now, you have to remember back in that day, women were not as prosperous as we are today. They were considered possessions, and without a man to support them, they were left with nothing. And I can't go into detail, but there's a beautiful story of love between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law that you need to read on your own in the Word of God between Ruth and Naomi, and it has charmed history over the ages. Okay, remember we talked about Rahab. Now we're talking about Naomi and Ruth. So now we're going to bring in Boaz. Boaz was a wealthy landowner in Bethlehem of Judea and a relative of Elimelech, Naomi's late husband. First, Ruth followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. And he notices Ruth, the widow Moabite daughter of Naomi, gleaning in the fields. He was asked by Ruth to acquire the land of her deceased husband and then it would entitle her to be his wife. Boaz then bought the land and Ruth. Remember, they were like possessions. Ruth became Boaz's wife and bore him a son, Obed, who became the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. Okay, remember Rahab? This is so good. I've been really excited to just make this point for y'all. Remember I talked about Rahab? Rahab played a key role in God's plan for the salvation of the world. After she was saved with the promise of Caleb for helping them, 
she gets her life together and she marries a man named Salmon and they together have a son. Guess what his name is? Boaz. Rahab became the ancestress, the great, great grandmother of King David. She had Boaz, Boaz had Obed, Obed had Jesse, and Jesse had the baby boy, King David. And from King David's line came Jesus. That was her history, but not her destiny. That situation, if she had stayed in it and thought she was not forgiven, she declared the word of the Lord. And she told Caleb, I know that you will possess the land because I know your God. She accepted him as her God and lived a life pleasing to God and became the great ancestress of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your history does not make your destiny. It does help to shape who you are. It does build stamina in you and it gets you ready. But it is not going to make sure that what is in the past will happen in the future. That was your history, but not your destiny. Once you look at your neighbor and tell them again, that's your history. Not your destiny. Finally, we will talk about Leah. Now, this one is a little delicate because it does speak to me as well. Leah, her situation was not unforeseen circumstances that she couldn't control, but it was something more emotional and internal. She had in her subtitle, deceptive, unseen, unappreciated, unworthy, insecure. There are things about ourselves that we seem to think we cannot forgive ourselves from. Leah became the wife of Jacob through a shameful trick. Jacob had worked seven years to win Leah's younger sister, Rachel. And on the wedding night, her father Laban substituted Leah instead. Then Jacob worked another seven years for the woman he really wanted, Rachel. Leah led a heartbreaking life trying to win Jacob's love, but God graced Leah in a special way. Her son Judah led the tribe that produced Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Leah is a symbol for people who try to earn God's love, which is unconditional and free for the taking. She was rejected, ignored, insulted, belittled, and thought to be forgotten. But in the grand plan of our Father, she is redeemed. Many of us are feeling unworthy, inadequate, insecure, and forgotten. I too have felt this way. But when I answered the call to be a messenger in the ministry, my identity changed from mine to his. My father used to remind me and Pastor Lee all the time, God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies those whom he calls. We've talked about Rahab, the sin of choice. Ruth and Naomi, they were seemingly the victims of so much misfortune. And Leah, the deceptive, unworthy, and insecure personality. God will use our mess to be fertilizer for our future. So let's just take another 10 seconds and give God glory again just for delivering us. He knows what we need. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God.
He's so worthy. Hallelujah. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And my most famous statement is, if it ain't good, it ain't over. So in this grand plan of God, we can look forward to some mighty and wonderful things happening. So, okay, Minister Stephanie, I'm ready and I'm tired. I'm tired of treading water. I'm ready to do this thing. I'm ready to come out of this unforgiveness for myself. Psychology helps us to understand two things, guilt and shame. Guilt is usually action-based. You would say to yourself, I did something wrong. But shame, on the other hand, It is so much deeper. It is identity-based because you will say to yourself, I am bad because I did this and that. And when you get over into thinking that your identity is attached to something that you no longer can control, you have no way to steer your path. You'll continuously look in the rearview mirror instead of in the windshield. And today, hopefully, the Lord will begin to bring you out of shame and guilt and into forgiveness because the consequences don't mean you're not forgiven. It just means you got to stay the course until the consequences have ended, but you are definitely forgiven. So if you will take out this stone, ushers, is it possible that you could bring Down my lake, I need my lake. The Lord is going to perform a mighty miracle in just a few minutes, and we're going to have a lake, a beautiful flowing stream right at my feet. We're going to get rid of that shame once and for all today. I'm going to read something, and I want you to ponder everything that I'm reading. A long time ago, A man once went to Mahatma. You can sit it right there. Thank you so much, Mr. Willie. A man once went to Mahatma Gandhi and said, how can I be happy? Hearing this, Mahatma asked the man to come with him into the forest. The man agreed. They both started to walk towards the forest. And when they got deep into the forest, Mahatma asked that the man pick up a stone that was lying there. So he picked it up. They soon started to walk again. And while the man was holding the stone in his hand after walking for a while, the man said to Mahatma, Maharaja, my hand is hurting. Mahatma said, okay then, well, you can put the stone down. As soon as Mahatma said this, the man dropped the stone right then and felt relieved. After a few minutes of walking, Mahatma said, how are you feeling now? The man replied, I am happy after throwing the stone. I'm not feeling that much pain in my hand anymore. I feel better. At this, Mahatma said, this is the secret to happiness. This way you can live happily. The man was confused and asked, I do not understand. Mahatma Ji smiled and said, people lift so many stones in their lives and keep walking with them. How can they be happy? Therefore, if you want to be happy, then you have to throw away such stones 
which give you pain. Remember this stone? You willingly picked it up when you walked in the door today. We willingly pick up and hold on to things because the devil wants us to be burdened. It is his job to make us feel heavy and like we cannot make it another day. Today, this is your chance to get rid of the weight of your sins that you've been carrying around all this time. Jesus wants to carry the weight of your sins. When he was on the cross, he carried the weight of your sins on the cross. You don't have to carry them. This is just a very small pebble, but it is monumental in action. Because today, I want you to hold it in your hand and I want you to think on that thing. It's just one pebble. But if you can find that one thing that blocks the door, that is keeping your heart from being able to receive forgiveness and then to forgive yourself, I want you to put all of that on this stone. This one little bitty stone. But it is going to carry the weight of your world as you walk it right up here to my sea of forgetfulness. This is God's sea of forgetfulness. We sometimes need action. Faith without works is dead. We need action to move our minds out of a current debilitating state. We need to do something different to make a change. So as Mahatma Gandhi said, stop carrying the stones you willingly pick up. Let's make that change. Because the history you have, the hurt, the pain, the things that people did to you, it may not have been your fault. Yes, you may have told a lie. Yes, you may have stolen something. Yeah, you may have sat in the car with your friends when they rode off after stealing that vehicle. Or, yes, you may have taken your best friend's husband. Yes, you may have done some really bad things. But that's your history. Those are things that are dead and gone. When you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, when you ask God to change what's on the inside and you mean it and you repent, it becomes forgiven. We are the ones who keep reminding God of all those unrighteous acts. So that's the purpose of this stone today. I'm not going to ask you ye without saying cast the first stone. I'm pretty sure many of you thought that was what it was for. And I was not going to have you throwing stones at me. No. <laughs> However, this is a very important piece for you today. Very important. So, hallelujah. The Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. He said, come unto me all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is too heavy for you to carry. And all you have to do is cast it on him. Ask for forgiveness. And this action means I let it go. I'm not holding on to it anymore. Lord, I gave it to you. So I give you one moment to just think on these things. Nobody has to know what you're casting. No one has to know what you're throwing away. That's between you and Abba Father. So let's just take a moment to bow and ask the Lord to forgive you of that one thing. It might be 150, 
But today there's one thing in the door preventing you from getting to the other 149 so that you can begin to heal and move into God's forgiveness. Just that one thing. Father, right now I just ask you in Jesus' name, touch the hearts of your people. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that is yet powerful enough to remove the most terrible of sins. Right now, Lord, those who are watching online and who will hear later, Father, your blood is yet the same powerful blood to remove that stain of sin. So we just ask you, Lord, to touch. Lord, give them even a special hug. Give them a special chill, a feeling of knowing that you hear us, you're with us, and that you have forgiven them. Lord, I thank you even for the changing of their minds, the changing of their actions from this point forward. Lord, just give them a heart of peace, a heart of joy, a heart of love. Lord, we know that whatever is loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So, Father, we loose love and peace and joy and forgiveness. And, Father, we bind up the sins of bondage. We bind up the pain and the hurt of unforgiveness. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we cast down the strong of pain and unforgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. We cast it back to hell from whence it came, expediently harming no one, and we tell you never to return in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness that is still powerful today. In Jesus' name, if you're willing, I welcome you to get up and come cast your stones. Father, in the name of Jesus, receive, heal, and deliver. Manifest your power in the name of Jesus. Manifest, Lord God. Manifest in the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders. Make it evident to your children in the name of Jesus that they are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Wash them white as snow. Thank you, Lord. It is by your grace. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. Set us free in the name of Jesus. Let us walk in your freedom, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The sea of forgetfulness, Lord. Let us not remind you of it or remind ourselves in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for obedience. Thank you for this, Lord God. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will be praised, Lord. You will be praised. You will get all the glory as these tests will become testimonies. As this mess will become a message, God. We thank you. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for the change they will see. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that this day will mark a day that will change the rest of their lives. In the name of Jesus, Father, let them sleep better. Father, in the name of Jesus, let all the things that have been going wrong go right in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. 
And I thank you for your obedience. Y'all give God some glory. Hallelujah. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Your History is Not Your Destiny. By Stephanie Bronner. This message is number 6595. That's 6595. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6595 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word. Brothers of the Word.